0: You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 399, the World Happiness Index
1: 2019, should we all move to Finland, so no one told you life was gonna be this way, friends, the 25th anniversary tour, and remembering ranking Roger and Scott Walker.
0: That's all coming up after the pearlfishers and up with the larks. They have a new album to be released in a few weeks, but in the meantime, I could have picked, I think, maybe 40 or 50 of their tracks, which are all solid gold. Uh, This was the title track from their excellent 2007 album, the scandalously under-recognised Pearlfishers and Up With The Larks.
1: Mm, Yeah, I do like the Pearlfishers, actually. Mm.
0: Welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 399. I'm Terence Stackham, and... Division, clear the lobby. It's Juliette Harris.
1: <laughs> that's how. That, that's a good way of trying to get children to go to bed. I've discovered <laughs> by shouting division clear the lobby yeah, It's very good lobbies. indeed. Or uh, yeah, I'm here to bring order to the podcast order. this week. Order. You had to spell it with yes. use. That's how you spell order, order. according to, uh, to, to for, for, view, for our viewers and indeed listeners outside mm. of Britain who are baffled by what we are doing. We are impersonating the Speaker of the House of Commons, John Burko, who has a very um, idiosyncratic way of speaking shall we say?
0: certainly does. the United Nations Mm. has published its World Happiness Report for 2019. This report is like the Billboard Hot 100, but for countries instead of Ed Sheeran or Drake. Um, It measures the overall happiness of a country through a series of questions carried out worldwide by Gallup, the polling people. Mm. Perhaps not terribly surprising to find Syria, Yemen, Afghanistan and South Sudan way down at the very bottom of the rankings. But up in the top 20... The USA drops to number 19, its lowest ever ranking. Um, mm. Reporting on the survey, Forbes magazine puts us here uh, in our place by saying, at number 15, even the Brexit divided United Kingdom ranks higher than the US. Oh, wow. That, that uh, is
1: a kind of that's a snark on both levels, mm. isn't it? Mm.
0: But here's the thing, Jules. Five Scandinavian or Nordic countries are in the top 10. Sweden at seven, then the top four places. Iceland at four. Norway at three. Denmark at two, and Finland at number one, Mm -hmm. which begs the question, should we all move, Jules, to Helsinki?
1: Well, wow, and it is a fair question, isn't mm. it? The the, the Scandis always seem so enlightened. I'm always a big fan of mm. Scandi culture, always have been. Um, and without, I, I can't believe I'm being a hipster about Iceland, which is possibly the most hipsterish thing ever. <laughs> um, but I've sort of wanted to go there since when I was about 13 or 14. So this would be late 90s. Blur's album, Blur, came out. Um, and I remember um, that was very much inspired by, you know, them wanting to leave, particularly Dame Norbar wanted to leave Britpop behind. And um, he, he sort of semi-moved to Iceland and just went to the country to visit it and became absolutely in love with it Mm. and Around that time, there was a documentary on Radio Four. And I remember having a bath in, uh, in in Hastings and thinking I'd really like to go to Iceland. Mm. I still haven't been. It's madly expensive, apparently, but my friends go occasionally, and they say that it is a wonderful place. Um, I love the idea that that you can see a distant horizon everywhere you look because it's so flat. And I wonder how mm. that kind of um, that might be something, affects the country's yeah. thinking. Um, it's because it's so small. I've heard different uh, statistics, but it's, I think I did hear when we lost to their football team. Right. <laughs> (laughs) a couple of years ago I did hear that I think it's about the population of Coventry no, right. So it's really not very big. Yeah. And so everybody has about two or three different jobs. And it's very kind of forward thinking, apparently. So I've always kind of been interested. But, and, and the, you know, when we think of Scandinavia, we think of, you know, they, they've they got quite a reputation amongst us middle classes for their sort of dramas now, mm. haven't they? And they're, they're, they're making some excellent television, some excellent art. Uh, the Finnish education system is held up as this kind of model of producing very happy, well-balanced people. One of those countries, and I was studying sociology, I think it was Denmark. Hmm. Apparently they had a system, and I might have this wrong, but it was something along the lines of, according to my sociology teacher, that they got to a certain point where the prisons were full, so they just said to people, "Oh well, we'll let you know when you're going in." <laughs> 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 <That's> <laughs> amazing, fucking one out system on a, on on that, hmm. which I thought was very. Um, <laughs> very um, yeah, it's
0: very modernist I mean, I mean it can't be the weather in Finland as some of the country has 200 days of uh, <laughs> snow cover I read this week and mm. summers only last for a few months but they must be doing something right it's, it's interesting to contrast with uh, America where both the, the rise it's, it, I find this very fascinating, the rise of social media and the ongoing opioid crisis are big mm. contributors to unhappiness and very telling that the UN report links ha- heavy internet use, uh, social media activity and general sort of small Smartphone digital media use to mm. depression and unhappiness. That,
1: that, is, that is very interesting. Mm. I think partly it's a, like you say, the opioid crisis, etc. Mm. I wonder if partly there's a political influence mm. here. So we are, you know, maybe the America and Britain going, go either going through or starting to go through times. Great political change and in instability. Mm. There's an interesting thing here. Um, this is from the BBC last year, because um, again, last year when the when the poll was released, mm. Britain, Norway, Denmark, Iceland were the top four, and then uh, Switzerland, Netherlands, Canada, New Zealand, Sweden, Australia all, all made up the kind of top right. ten. Um, interestingly, Sweden down quite low there compared to the other Scandinavian countries. They mm. are starting to deal with the far the rise right of the far right oh, in Sweden. Right. So okay. I'm not yeah. sure if that's quite a, an interesting thing, but this. this this article BBC that said last year interestingly we do think we have this idea of them all being very happy mm. but the Nordic Council of Ministers and the Happiness Research um, Institute in Copenhagen um, they tried to have a bit more of a nuanced kind of picture of life in the Nordic nations and they they had this uh, report called in the shadow of happiness what well, aren't we all which looked at data collected across five years so we're looking at 2012 to 2016 and um, They asked people to mark their... Now, this is an interesting question. I wonder how we would both answer this. They asked people to mark their satisfaction with life out of 10. And they found in total that actually 12% of people living in the Nordic region, which is quite a quite a proportion, said they were suf- suffering or struggling. With 13 and a half percent of young people ranking themselves as such. And when they looked at people in the age bracket of 80 or above, the level became even worse. And they found that general health and mental health were most were both closely associated with happiness ratings, with unemployment, income, and uh, sociability also playing a role. And they found that the mental health was a huge. Factor. and actually, though I I think they're very forward-thinking, the Scandinavian countries, I do think it's dangerous to kind of think, oh, well, everything's happy over there, when actually it would seem that the, the... I think it's becoming an epidemic, these problems of mental health, um, particularly amongst young people and particularly amongst young women, I think uh, they're not just... they're spreading worldwide and the fact that they're touching the Scandinavian countries who are traditionally meant to be very happy should be th- food for thought, I think.
0: I wonder how much the country has actually got to do with it, in the sense that I like being English and living in England, but almost everything mm. that I do that makes me happy or contented more, I nice. think, I could do, I think, Anyway, like lying on the sofa watching sport on netflix <laughs> um reading books going for walks with people i care about um i don't think it's actually being in england specifically that brings mm-hmm. happiness you know i, I just feel yeah, i could no, almost do that, that anywhere i don't, that's, that's an
1: interesting hmm. thing and may, maybe it's to do with Maybe it'd be interesting. It's interesting to see how much atmosphere around us affects us because we. Mm. I mean, again, not to bore on about this, but we are going through quite a tumultuous time in Britain at the moment politically, it, and to the point where it's not very clear what is going yes. to happen. There are, you know, there are public riles on the streets between various people. It's not very easy at the moment. And I know a lot of people who are starting to, and including myself, I think his mental health is being affected by it. Mm. It's really stressful, and and you can try and switch off from it, but. I work in an industry which kind of thrives on market confidence, so it's impossible for me not to see its effects of what's going on and it's it's really difficult. So it's interesting to see how how much our lives are affected by what goes on around us and if that and I, I mean that in two senses, I mean that I mean that socially, and I also mean that you know, sort of politically too. So, so like you say, maybe, maybe the atmosphere around us, maybe, maybe we need to connect with the natural world, man. Maybe that's the answer to this.
0: Rachel, Monica, Ross, Joey, Phoebe, Chandler, friends on tour. That's next, right after wasurimono Mono.
1: going since about 2013 They're from the southwest of the UK but um, I've only recently um, become aware of them and I have to say I really like this song. Uh, they, it often gets played in the morning when I'm driving to work and it usually cheers me up so that um, was Are You OK?
0: It's a terrific track, new to me, um, but absolutely brilliant. And um, as as we sometimes say with Zori Mono, they're appearing at festivals all across the UK in May, June, and July. And they're launching their new album in London on the nineteenth of June. If you yes, really like,
1: coming com- coming soon to a field near you, by the sound of it.
0: Well, last time we talked about the uh, we were here. We, we talked about the outrageously distorted ticket prices this summer in London for Barbara Streisand in Hyde Park and the Who at Wembley. Perhaps more affordable is the twenty nine pounds ticket to attend Friends Fest, which is happening at several mm. venues across the UK in August and September. But any hopes that Friends Fest will feature any of the cast are misplaced, um, because the festival is going to consist of what the organisers call activities and photo opportunities. Um, much of the appeal seems to be reconstructions of the set mm. for friends, so you can Instagram yourself walking around Monica and Rachel's apartment or, um, as I would do, lolling on the sofa um, with a coffee in Central Perk. Mm. Um, it's a bit of a strange concept but clearly popular because apparently the same gig sold out last year. Now, Jules, will you be spending 29 quid for the chance to visit friends-themed food stalls and tr- <laughs> try on what I are described as some of the show's most unforgettable outfits.
1: <laughs> wow, well, I have my own unforgettable outfits. I don't need them to be from a TV programme. Um, it's interesting this. I, friends came up in conversation uh, with, with uh, the, the present Mrs. H preview mm. earlier this week and it's interesting that... Um, Friends was was absolutely everywhere in the mm. 90s. And I think we were talking about, there's a Radio 4 programme called I've Never Seen Star Wars. Oh, yes,
0: yes. Which is the uh, idea Marcus you know, Brigstock, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah, the idea that, that you know, that, you, that, that people have never done huge cultural mm. things that everybody else has done. I've never seen Titanic. That's my kind of, I can't believe this. And people's jaws drop in my kind of era when they can't believe that, you know, I was I was a teenage girl in the 90s and I didn't see Titanic. I had no interest in it. The boat sings, what's the point? And uh, why does it take three hours <laughs> and uh, but um so, so no offence to anybody who loves titanic i'm glad you enjoy the thing you like but um but uh, my uh, my uh, yeah my my aforementioned girlfriend did say i talked about friends and she went oh i've never seen friends and i went what and she went if there's any american character in something going whatever then it's not for me <laughs> so so she's not a fan we won't be visiting Excellent. friends fest together mm. i'm not sure i'll be visiting friends fest by myself mm. it's, uh, but but i think as i alluded to earlier I, you know i'm at the point now where i can't quite trash stuff i i don't have a problem with people going to these things if they want to do it to enjoy themselves i do have a problem where these things are badly organized mm. and they're very exploitative there was a that like the cheese the various cheese festivals that take oh, place yes. in brighton that then run out of cheese after about an hour and it turns out to be cheddar or something um
0: and the christmas and, winter wonderlands
1: yes that's always you know a depressed looking cow <laughs> with animals on somewhere in kent so mm. uh, so yeah i i agree with it. but but Actually, I've read a review of last year's, and mm. it, it seemed people seem to sort of quite enjoy it. Really, I mean, there was a, a, a person there that's reviewed it, and if you really liked Friends, and a lot of people really really liked Friends, it was madly successful. For, you know, for for a reason. And actually, the early series were good fun. The later series got a bit multi, but the early series mm. are, are when you watch them back now, they're more cynical than I remember mm. them to be, because they were originally about a bunch of slackers, admittedly with <laughs> with ridiculously affordable apartments. But but you know, there yes. was you know, when they, when it first. Starts off. Only one of them's actually got a proper job, or two of them have got a proper job, and they don't. No one ever knows what Chanda does, but um, (laughs) which is great. I love that as a kind of a joke. But um, but I, you know, I I think I I quite like the idea of these things because everyone I know that went last year really enjoyed it. Particularly people that took their sort of teenage children who had got into friends. They weren't probably either weren't alive or they weren't aware of it at the time, but they they were they were into it now, and it was a really good way in the same way that some of my friends take their kids to take that concert particularly uh, women and daughters I quite like the idea of it being a kind of an intergenerational bonding thing the tickets are not wildly expensive quite I know that they're not the original sets but the reconstructed sets Mm. are quite cool if you like that sort of thing it's good fun to go and look at and actually to to make comparisons as long as these things are done and they're not done as a tour as long as they're done properly i don't see why not frankly i went to the harry potter film studios with my mum a few years ago and they're always adding new stuff there so mm-hmm. so you know i'll probably go back at some point point. and i had to say we had such a brilliant day because it was so well organized yes it was it was costly to get there we went on a coach i think so it could have mm-hmm. been worse but it was it was costly to get there but we had a great day it was really well done they had everything there all of the staff they were clearly a sort of resting actors and actresses that were mm. all quite young. But all of the staff that took you around on tours were lovely and really hyped to be working there. And it, the whole thing was so brilliantly done. Actually, if you're into, you know, certain films, certain TV programmes and watching them, it was really nice. It was a great experience to be able to go and see things. And everyone I know that's been evangelises about it. No one goes, oh, that was a bit of a ripple. Mm. Everyone really into it. So I think if these things are done properly and not cynically, then I think that actually, where's the harm in it, is my view, frankly.
0: I find Friends quite interesting, because it comes from a golden age of American sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Frasier, Seinfeld, they're both contemporaries. And there's a, there is a warmth and about the, all three the of them. Gary,
1: and, the Larry Sa- and the Gary Sandlin show as well. Oh, I the Gary the Sandlin yeah. show,
0: yeah. But I've been re-watching that recently. Well, uh, the, in, uh, whole, uh, I managed to acquire the whole, uh, you know, the, from A to Z of that. So, yeah, but as ever, with, with the huge successes, it's hard to pin down the exact... Template of success, and because at the same time you had Will and Grace and Mad About You, and they were both excellent and of the same era, but they don't seem to have stayed quite so long in the public's endearment, or at least not the same level of public love. And then there was a bit of a barren spell before uh, Gilmore Girls, Thirty Rock, Curb Your Enthusiasm brought more sort of craft and joy from the scriptwriters of American sitcoms. But I go, I go to reconstructions of the sets of any of those three: Gilmore, Thirty Rock, or Mm. Curb.
1: Absolutely. And, I and you know, I, I just think it's just a great novelty. And, you know, I, I do love seeing pictures of my friends and their kids sat in Central mm. Perk on the sofa looking utterly delighted to be there. I You know, I think in a in a world where, you know, in Britain, we've literally got the fash out on our streets again, <laughs> I just think, what is, what's the harm in people? If they want to pay £29 to go and have the pictures taken, why not? And as long as their, their willingness to do that is not being exploited by, you know, like I say, reindeers with, uh, you know, dogs with a car. Or, reindeer <laughs> or whatever, you know, in that kind of way. just <clears throat> being done properly. Who is this harming? You know, yeah. why, you know, it's just because we're not massively into friends, does that mean no one is allowed to go in and celebrate friends? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you could, there have been lots of interesting pieces particularly on, uh, on the New Statesman they did a kind of a, they do occasional sort of series of analysing TV from the 90s and there have been quite a few interesting pieces written about Friends actually and how badly certain aspects of her age mm. so for example the, the general kind of homo and transphobia around Chandler's father in it has mm. not a- a- dated mm. well, the kind of general you know, the horror at the thought of Monica being fat and how her life has improved mm. now she isn't fat, some of it is very much you know, of a different time and has. Hasn't, hasn't isn't particularly um, woke to use our in-house word but um, mm. uh, but having uh, you know but but having said that you know it, it uh, we're all going through a phase I think lots of us that are progressive are going through a phase of 90s nostalgia at the moment mm. so maybe it taps into that I don't know it's um, yeah I mean it, there, there there's interesting comments to be had on friends and how it hasn't really sort of you know, aspects of it have aged badly and also I enjoy there's a bit of an internet subculture of people writing alternative endings to friends
2: Oh right! Or okay.
1: people and saying, "Oh, where are the characters now?" And it's always interesting that Phoebe always comes out the best. Right. And uh, Ross, Ross, terrible things always befall Ross. He always comes across as a really, uh, he uh, Ross. I think in one version I read ends up in the Make America Great Again movement and uh, and in <laughs> protesting against Me Too. Ross is not all men. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know. But I, no, I, I, you know, I, I think. Why shouldn't people? If they, you know, if if they if they pay money and they're not
0: exploited in doing so, why not? I think we could we could go with Marie Kondo's uh, philosophy. Does it bring joy? And if it brings joy, just (laughs) go ahead. Does it
1: spark joy? Spark
0: joy. Yes. Coming next, um, looking back at the lives and careers of both Ranking Roger and Scott Walker, and that's right after the beat. Um, taken from their golden era in the early 80s, but it's a track from their very latest album, uh, released in January 2019, from the album Public Confidential, the beat featuring Ranking Roger, and Who's That Looking?
1: Mm. I do, yeah, that is a good tune, isn't it? I, I nearly picked Ranking Full Stop this week, but I'm glad that you went with that.
0: <laughs> well, earlier this week, Ranking Roger died at home, aged only 56. Um, of the Scar revival bands, um, like the Specials and the Selector from the late 70s, early 80s, the beat were genuinely very much my favourites. Uh, the sort mm. of vocal pairing of Dave Wakeling and Ranking Roger worked brilliantly. But the only thing is, looking back at videos this week, which I did um, of the beat, mainly on Top of the Pops, I had quite forgotten how much of a secondary role Ranking Roger had on vocals on all those hits. Uh, so perhaps, Jules, it's not surprising that we ended up with another one of those strange situations. Um, two bands, the English beat with Dave Wakeling mm. and the beat featuring Ranking Roger, both recording and touring at the same time, but separately.
1: Yeah, I know. A bit of a pity that. The, the boxed fears of the Scar World.
0: Yes, and yeah, <laughs> um, the, the, there's several bands like this now, aren't there, sort of touring. Uh, well, well,
1: UB40, oh, UB of course. Yeah, then. and and it, uh, the UB40 situation was hysterical. In the, uh, I don't think anybody quite realised the rancour that had infected UB40 until we all experienced the rancour that was the 2016 Labour leadership contest when somebody challenged oh Jeremy gosh. Corbyn and uh, they Corbyn's team uh, were desperately, you know, fishing around for celebrity endorsements and they then said, oh, you know, UB40 back uh, back um, back <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn. It then became apparent that there were two UB40s because the brothers had fallen out and the other half then back to the other contender in the labor oh, leadership competition God. so yeah just when you thought that that episode couldn't get any more unedifying there we were
0: also this week we heard of the death of scott walker at mm-hmm. uh, 76 years old his musical career i was thinking this week his, his career can be divided into just three and a half distinct periods there was the 1960s pop star phase with some thrilling singles as part of Mm. the walker brothers the half period that i'm mentioning was their return briefly reunited the mid-70s some but limited success Mm. in between those times four fascinating solo albums exploring his growing skills in songwriting and production then after becoming both Troubled and I guess disillusioned by fame, mm. a handful of modernist albums, which I must confess I didn't find myself in accord with critics describing them as masterpieces. I find them rather bleak and I have to say unlistenable, but sixty ks of musical works crop quite the legacy jewels
1: oh absolutely, yes, yeah, a huge i mean I'm a huge. I'm a huge uh, supporter of Scott Walker. I would think I would use mm. that as, as an expression. I do like some of the, light, the later albums, actually, probably more mm. than you do. Mm. But equally, I don't find myself grabbing to listen to them very often. No. Perhaps that's a fault of mine. But um, but I... I it's I not really
0: sing bit, along a Scott, well, is it? Well, I feel
1: mm. a little bit about, about Scott's later stuff, as I do about Nick Cave, really, which is... And I think we're probably going to get complained about this, but um, mm. I am <laughs> I, I, supporters of them, because I very much support what they do, and I admire them as artists, and I think they're brilliant i wouldn't always necessarily say i was a fan because i don't always enjoy the music very much but mm. i but that doesn't stop me from being a huge supporter and admirer of them because i think that they're brilliant as far as artists go so i but then the earliest like you say, the walker brothers stuff that scott was involved in was was just phenomenal just the most amazing thrill thrilling was exactly the right word for that the thrilling kind of pop music mm. and uh, the other thing I think about Scott Walker that I, that I find, this came as a result of his kind of um, experimental period, but I thought it was very interesting, was that he, um, he curated Meltdown. Um, the Meltdown Festival. Mm. And um in uh, in it was so the Meltdown Festival is something that takes place at the South Bank Centre in London and it's curated by a different person every year. And um and interestingly they've got some they they started to get some quite out there people. So Laurie Anderson did it in ninety eight, uh, John Peel did it in ninety-nine, Nick Cave himself did it in ninety nine, sorry, John Peel did it in ninety eight, Laurie mm. did it in ninety seven. But Scott Walker curated Meltdown in in two thousand. Um, very interesting Mix of people Mark Anthony Turnage, Asian Dub Foundation, Blur, Sakala Munvuta, Clinic, Evan Parker, Jarvis Cocker, Jim O'Rourke, Luke Bondi, Radiohead, Elliot Smith, Tom McCray, Clearlate, the Richard Olston Dance Company, and Smog. So, some very interesting <laughs> things going on yeah. there. And yeah, I, I, you know, I've met people that went up that very much enjoyed it. But yeah, I, I you know, I, 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 the thing I admire about Scott Walker is that he never, even if you didn't like some of his later stuff, he never stayed still. Like you say, it was mm. Six decades of music. and um, It was almost a bit like uh, when Mark Hollis from Talk Talk passed away a few mm-hmm. weeks ago and we spoke about him. You would never bet against them popping up again, whether doing a Bowie, just popping up years later with a random album that would be really good. So I'm sorry that we won't be having any more mm-hmm. Scott Walker output because... I, you know, I, I do think that the, the the extent he was almost a bit like a Bowie figure, in that the number of different things he could turn his hand to was impressive. I think.
0: Yes, I love the four solo albums. I do wonder how he might have sounded with a conventional rock band setup. But I suppose his I suppose his splendid baritone voice, I suppose, really did suit the orchestrations that were virtually on every track. But I did think that made them feel a little bit more in the sort of easy listening middle of the road field, which I'm mm. sure he wasn't aiming for. But mm. um, when Scott Ford didn't sell, of course, he seemed to willfully create music that was so far the very opposite of chirpy pop and ballads. And they were, <laughs> they were like the soundtrack to an artist's despair, in my view, and I, I, you know, I guess that's... Perhaps now that you know, we know that he had you know quite a difficult period of t- time in his life. Perhaps that's that's mm. what they were.
1: Well, absolutely! And in a way, that's I quite admire that. That you know, the people sort of you know reflecting their own lives in records. I think people don't have to, but I like it when they do. I think it shows. I think it shows integrity, and I think it shows honesty. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I I will remember him fondly for that, and also these '60s bangers.
0: And Jules, when, you, when you're not researching the cost of um, aeroplane flights to Reykjavik,
1: <laughs> yes. where
0: might we f- find you this week?
1: Well, I mean, obviously that takes up the vast that'll, majority that'll of my time. time. I'm, I'm going to put on my, my communitarian hat here. Hmm. Um, I'm a trustee of a, of a, an organisation in Hastings, an arts building called the, uh, St Mary in the Castle. It's a deconsecrated church. There's one very small part of our crypt that is still consecrated because people are buried there. But um, I'm a trustee of this building and it's a fab venue. We have lots of cool things on. And uh, this evening, which is Saturday the 30th, I'm taking my mother to a feast of fiddles there to celebrate Mother's Day. So uh, okay. they have uh, lots of different sort of performances there. If that's your bag, then do do come along and say mm. hello to me there. And please do spend lots of money in our bar. Mm. And, mm. <laughs> and uh, also, am I doing anything else of interest? Um, not particularly, okay. actually. A bit of a quiet week from me, which I'm quite pleased about. I'll be locked, I'll do, doing lots of um, lying on my sofa, albeit not the central perk sofa, okay. my own sofa.
0: And do you know what? How time wishes by. Six years ago today, on this podcast, we mm-hmm. sent out love to listeners Lisa and Matthew, who were just off on their honeymoon, and now because they've got it's a. Me. Yep, six years ago, and um, now they've got a little boy, and um, six years I married think. today. on the day we record this. So.
1: Yeah. Uh, shout out to the uh, Gauntlet Dakota Massive. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So. Oh, also, thanks to you for listening. And yeah,
1: indeed. Thanks to all of you at all times, always. And
0: thanks, as always, to uh, Rona and uh, Hilly.
1: Likewise, yes. Thank you, producing team.
0: Back to that wonderful period of uh, initial success for Scott Walker, Jaws.
1: Oh yes, absolutely, and uh, there were so many things that I could have picked here because you know there was, like you say, a fairly jaw dropping run of singles, and uh, and you know it, it was a sort of bit of an eeny meeny miny mo really. We could have played anything by the Walker mm. Brothers at their peak, and I don't think anybody would have really minded what it was really. I love uh, that my uh, my friends do at Wound Flat Platter do a music quiz. And they had, I think it was them that did a round once, which of these bands are actually related to each other or not? So the Walker Brothers <laughs> were kind of, are they actually brothers or not? <laughs> and the, and Sister slayer and the Point and oh, things like that. Good. It was an incredibly good round, actually. Well, the Pretty Girls Everywhere, love her, make it easy on yourself. My ship is coming in. I didn't realise I had to go at Land of a Thousand Dances as well, which is quite fun. But uh, I am going to play this because it is really... Oh, it's a it's a magnificent song, a real wall of sound, and I love the way that the vocals sort of you know really build up on the chorus. And also, for some of us living in Britain at the moment, this is sort of how we feel a bit of present. So, uh, so these are the Walker Brothers, and this is the sun ain't gonna shine anymore. Low- have been listening to a DACA media production.